We have one of those interesting topics in today's episode where we get to talk about one of these great teams from yesteryear that maybe is not in the spotlight anymore in major football for college football, but the Washington and Jefferson presidents at one time were one of the powerhouses in early college football. We have their story and more coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your place for all things great in sports history and your portal to positive football history as we are going to talk about some of the legendary teams in early football. And our special today is going to be focusing on the Washington and Jefferson presidents of Washington and Jefferson University. But before we do, let's make sure you're aware of our social media presence. We are on Twitter and we are at Pigskin Dispatch. We'd love to participate in some conversations with you have you give us a follow and a like and uh, we'd really like to communicate with you about some great sports history and tell you what's going on as part of our presence out there in the world to uh, help preserve football and sports history now one of the early powerhouses in early college pigskin play was the washington and jefferson presidents from a town just south of pittsburgh now these teams from W&J not only were competitive against other schools, but against some of the pioneers of pro football as well. Now, the original institution of W&J was founded in 1781 as the Washington Academy. It stands as the 11th oldest school of higher learning in the United States, a mere eight miles away and at the time a frontier forest at times with hostile Native American tax was the Cannonsburg Academy, which a few years later would be rebranded as the Jefferson College. A charter issued by the Pennsylvania General Assembly on March 4, 1865 gave way to finally merge these two institutions to become the Washington and Jefferson College. Now, Washington Jefferson College football has a long and storied history as well, dating back to the 19th century, just a few short years after the inception of the school. Football was organized at first on campus in 1890 when 75 students each paid $1 to become members of the Athletic Association of W&J. The first official game of the Presidents was on November 1st, 1890, when they defeated the Western University of Pennsylvania, who would later be known as the University of Pittsburgh, or the Pitt Panthers, and W&J beat them by a score of 34 to nothing, and it was a more than positive experience in the second game too, as the Presidents blanked the semi-professional East End Athletic Club of Pittsburgh by the score of 10 to nothing. Not too bad for your second game, beating a pro team as a college. Well, the third game of that inaugural season was an interesting and lies in controversy. The contest was against the College of Wooster and has each school claiming a victory, even to this day, the high caliber opponents that 
in this newly formed red and black team schedule did not subside as Wooster was touted as the champions of Ohio. The referee on a game gave WJ's 11 the impression that the game clock in the final period had expired on a play, and the red and black players, having a 4 0 lead at that point, celebrated and left the field. Wooster, however, continued to play and scored an easy touchdown with nobody on the field to stop him from WJ, and the red and black ended up, uh, you know, allowing that score and the extra point with no defenders out there, so Wooster felt they had won the game by the score of 6-4. Touchdowns in that day were worth four points, and the points after were valued at two points in 1890. That's where you come up with that six uh, with the extra point. And the first season was a success. As uh, more interest followed the game to the point of, after playing in 1890 without a head coach, the organization of W&J ended up hiring one. Now, in the early days of football at Washington Jefferson, the team played a variety of opponents, including teams from other colleges, local high schools, and semi-professional teams. The presidents were a dominant force in these early years of college football, winning numerous championships and compiling a winning record of over 700. Now, by the time 1894 rolled around, the school's fan base interest in the gridiron had grown considerably with more vigorous opponents and a team's first paid coach, E. Guard. Edwards. A special rail transport from Washington, PA to Pittsburgh was chartered to carry many fans and students to witness a 6-0 victory against the mighty semi-pro Pittsburgh Athletic Club. Paying players to play football was becoming a trend, especially in Western Pennsylvania in the early 1890s period. And the WJ program playing teams with professional players was thought of by many to be dangerous. Those of that opinion were proven correct when the Washington Jefferson player John Brailler got a taste of pay for play and was a roster member of the Washington Jefferson College Gridiron Program, playing in 1895 before returning to Greensburg Athletic Association and its profit rewards. Now, the faculty of WJ responded by setting the guidelines for eligibility to play ball at the school. And football, or the two-word football as it was called then, became quite a popular event. The temptation was too great for the WJ program not to play the local clubs of professional 11s of the gridiron, though. One of their most memorable games was in 1896 when a crowd of 12,000 watched them defeat the Duquesne Country and Athletic Club by the score of 4 to nothing. However, it was their game against the University of Pennsylvania Quakers in 1897 that marked the, quote, birth of big-time football, end quote, at WJ. Although they lost the score 18-4 in that game to the eventual national champions, WJ considered a moral victory since they were missing four of their 11 starters due to the new eligibility requirements that didn't allow anybody that got paid for playing in a professional football uh, to play in that game. Well, the team kept rolling and the program got better and better. In 1898, they had star players like Tech Williams at fullback, Vincent Paul Whalen at quarterback, and Posey Flowers, who was the 1897 captain. In 1908, W&J made history by becoming the first college football team to wear numbered uniforms in a game against Denison University on September 9, 1908. 
In the early 20th century, the WJ program began to play a more rigorous schedule with games against teams from larger colleges and universities. The first two decades of President Football ended with a winning record, and David C. Morrill served as a head coach three times for a total of eight seasons across three different decades in those early years. And the Presidents continued to be successful, winning several more championships and maintaining a winning record. Now, on September 29, 1923, the program became even more legendary when John Heisman coached his first football game at WJ and led the Presidents to a 21 to nothing home victory over Bethany College. The program also made history again on October 25, 1930, when the Presidents played in the first indoor night football game in history and defeated Lafayette 7 to nothing in Atlantic City's auditorium. The Washington Jefferson College had the best college football team on the East Coast in the 1921 season, coming off an undefeated season, and the Tournament of Roses Association unanimously voted to invite the school to play in the 1922 Rose Bowl. Their opponents were the California Golden Bears, and it was the last New Year's game that would be played at Old Tournament Park before 1923's Rose Bowl would go to the actual Rose Bowl Stadium that we know today. The 10 nothing and O presidents were coached by legendary Greasy Neal, while the Golden Bears sideline boss was another legend, just as big, Coach Andy Smith, who led the, these wonder teams to some amazing seasons in the early 1920s. The game had some pretty amazing bullet points between the two teams. It was the only game in Rose Bowl history to end in a scoreless tie. It was actually the first tie in Rose Bowl history, the first African-American quarterback to play in the Rose Bowl, Charles Fremont West from Washington Jefferson started that game for the Presidents. The first freshman to play in the Rose Bowl was Herb Koff of Washington and Jefferson. The only man to ever play in two Rose Bowls, Hal Erickson. He played with WJ in 1922 and with two teams, the 1919 Great Lakes Navy Academy and uh, you know, without losing. Uh, both those games that he played, both with Washington Jefferson and the Navy. Of course, W&J was a tie. And W&J would be the last Rose Bowl team to play the same 11 men the entire game. Single platoon football, and there was no substitutions for W&J. They played that whole game, and what a game it was. A 0-0 tie against the California Golden Bears. And it sort of puts that big uh, crux into the importance of this program to early football history and where it led us to today. So we are sure glad that you were able to join us for this little touch of football history and the Washington Jefferson presidents, their origins and early history. And Washington Jefferson is still playing some great ball at the, you know, the FCS level now and uh, catch your games. Like I said, Washington, Pennsylvania, just south of Pittsburgh. And many times they are on national TV on some of the ESPNs and uh, other coverages of great football. So we love to bring you football history each and every day of the year. And uh, we're glad to bring you this little taste of it today. So catch us next time. Uh, we will talk about some more sports history. And until then, have a great gridiron day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast.
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.